everybody, welcome to The Trench. My name is Christian, and you can't share what you don't have. Well, Christmas is quickly approaching, and that's a fabulous thing in itself, but this year, I'm struck by something. Jesus had parents. Now I know what you're thinking. Christian, duh, that's obvious, and I know it is, but it's something I've never really contemplated before. I mean, of course we all get on board with Mary's birth-giving role in the Incarnation, but if you're anything like me, perhaps you haven't really imagined that Mary and Joseph's parenting roles extended far beyond the nativity scene. But the reality is, at some point, Jesus was a toddler. He had to learn how to walk and talk, and he probably learned to do those things the same way that any baby does, by watching his parents. Jesus didn't simply learn about the practical aspects of having a body from his parents, but it seems as though he also picked up some really valuable characteristics from them in regard to his own spiritual life. This reality is explored in this excellent book, The Jesus We Missed, written by Father Patrick Henry Reardon, who is, uh, somewhat of a friend of mine and was actually the parish priest at the church where my wife grew up. And uh, I've got a signed copy. All right, fine, you caught me, it's my wife's copy. Father Pat points out that Jesus picked up some valuable things from Mary and Joseph when it comes to the life of faith. In particular, Father Pat invites us to contemplate the circumstances of Joseph's own calling to participate in the gospel. As one can imagine, being called to be the foster father of God's son and the protector of his virgin mother that's a pretty heavy calling. Father Pat writes, Joseph might be excused if, on occasion, the flight into Egypt, for instance, he felt anxious and insecure. This was not the case. We find Joseph in five scenes in the Gospel of Matthew, and every single time, he is sound asleep. Whatever troubles Joseph endured, they did not include insomnia. Father Pat points out that it must have been Joseph who left this particular mark on Jesus, the ability to serenely trust God even in the midst of uncertainty and fearful circumstances. Indeed, in the Gospel of Mark, we see that Jesus has inherited the ability to sleep through even the greatest of storms. When it comes to Mary, Father Pat points out that in the stories of her, what is most striking is her ongoing consent to the work of God. Little surprises it then that her son, following her example, is able to respond to the call of God, regardless of the cost. In both cases, Christ was being formed by the character of his parents. They didn't just tell him that he shouldn't be anxious when big storms come. They didn't just say that he ought to be obedient to God and respond regardless of the cost. They demonstrated these things in their own lives. As a father myself now, I say these things with a great deal of trepidation, realizing that far more important than what I say to my children is who I am for my children. In considering the parents of Christ, I begin to realize that my children will also be shaped by my own life. So if I want them to love Christ, then a large part of that is dependent on whether or not I do. I can't share what I don't have. But you see, it's not just with our children that this is true. It's true in every relationship in our lives. We can't share Christ with our coworkers or neighbors or friends if we don't have a relationship with him ourselves. We may be able to nicely speak about the fullness of the Orthodox faith or to articulate which father said what about which theological or social issue, but unless we actually have experience in following Christ, in loving him, then these are just going to be nice theological words. If we are going to pass on a love for Christ to the world, then we need to love him ourselves. Maybe part of the reason that all these young people are leaving the church in droves is because they look around and see that we actually love something else besides Jesus. 
Perhaps we love our accomplishments, or maybe we love our stuff. Perhaps we truly prize what other people think of us. Whatever it is, if our love for Christ has been compromised, so too has our preaching of the gospel. And here's the thing. No amount of social media posts or snappy video footage or clever audio bits is going to bring people back to the Lord. What is needed is not mere marketing tricks, but a real change of the heart. A change of our hearts. We can't share what we don't have, people. We can't encourage others to love the Lord if we don't even love Him ourselves. It's like being on an airplane with small children. You're told to put on your own oxygen mask before you try to put on your child's mask because you can't save your child if you pass out or die first. <sighs> this is why Saint Seraphim of Sarov has famously instructed us, acquire the spirit of peace and a thousand around you will be saved. If we are going to reclaim the transformational power of the gospel message, then we have to internalize it and live it ourselves. Otherwise, our nice words will be as dust in the wind. And next week, we're going to close out the year by looking at how what we do shapes what we love and how what we love shapes who we are. So join the fight. Live orthodoxy. Remember to like and subscribe. And join the rest of us inside the trench. If we are going to pass on a love for Christ, okay, we're dying here. Emergency surgery, we're gonna make it. Emergency, emergency. Eh. All right.